Thanks, guys. It's awesome to be with you all this morning, and uh, feels like family. It feels like home. You know, Victory family is, and you know, um, you know there's, there's something about family and the kingdom of God, and just checking all these guys going old and gray, and me going bald, and it's just awesome, and you know, I remember years ago coming, and Pastor Mark and Dee, and at the OK Center, and just the same vibe, and the same heart, and the same family spirit as here all the years that have just carried and is in the very DNA of this family. And it's so, it's so awesome to still be part and still see the journey and see what God is doing. And uh, yeah, so Pastor Mark, we honor you for the seed sown into the ground. The pops, the pops, the traveling pops that's cruising around the world now doing what we all want to do. But... Uh, yeah, and then Jono and Lee, you guys are awesome. Also known you guys for years and just stepping up in faithfulness and loyalty as sons and daughters in the house. It's just, it's just incredible to see what, what God is doing in this next season as you guys step up as sons and daughters. So awesome. So let's just pray. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Oh, Father, I just thank you for your incredible great love for us. I just thank you this morning that we can come and if we receive anything, that we would just receive your incredible love. I thank you, Father, that it's that love that casts out all fear. It's that love that speaks hope, it speaks destiny, it speaks purpose. It's that love that speaks life. It's that love that speaks confidence and joy to our hearts and Father, we just honor you today. We're just so grateful for who you are and, and uh, your presence here. And we thank you that we can just enjoy you and enjoy your family and be together. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Yeah, so um, we were here last in um, March just visiting. But uh, just for some of you guys that don't know a little bit of our story, I'll tell you a little bit of our story and then we'll take it from there. But um, about two years ago, God started to speak to us about transitioning in our lives, and we were very happy in J-Bay, part of the ministry team there at Victory Church, and, uh, you know, been there since 99, and really seen the gap here established and grown, and, and we were happy, happy, happy. I mean, everything's lovely. We've got a lovely home, four kids, two dogs, three hamsters, six budgies. No, we didn't have the budgies, but almost. But we had everything, and it was great, and it was awesome. And um, we went on a bit of a sabbatical time, and God began to speak to us about a season of transitioning coming and a new thing coming that He's wanting to do in our lives. And um, we, were, we were quite resistant to that thought because, um, you know, uh, Jeffries is awesome for any of you that have been there. Uh, amazing church, amazing family, friends, and surf, you know, just add that in. And, you know, four of our family are big surfers, so... So we, we really fought and we wrestled with God for a long time. And eventually, you know, after going backwards and forwards and, and chatting with Pastor Louis and the elders and backwards and forwards, we knew it was a, a, a new season that God was bringing in. And uh, it was such a scary time. And I remember um, just finally taking the plunge and saying, yes, God, we're going to obey you. And um, people would say to us, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And we we're like, we don't know. We just know that God is going to do something with us, and we need to obey His voice, and we need to we need to step out of the boat. And um, it almost felt like, you know, Father Abraham 
with all these kids and there's the whole entourage, but you don't know where you're going and you look like kind of reckless and foolish and silly and people are worried about you and your parents are like, are you guys crazy and are you sure and what are you doing? But there was such a, um, a deep urgency in our spirit to obey God's voice and say, Father, once again, you know, when we came into Jeffrey's Bay, we came with that attitude of, Father, we're here to do whatever you want us to do with our lives. Whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take us, whatever you want to, we are yours. And our lives are in your hands. And um, little did we know that we would be there. You know, there was a prophetic word when we arrived there that we're here for a season of training. 20 years later, we were still there (laughs) being trained. But anyway, the point of the matter was this. We reached the same point and God said, are you ready again to say that? Here I am. Anything, anywhere, I'll give it up at everything and start again. And that's, and that's literally where we found ourselves uh, at the end of last year, saying we'll start again from scratch zero and um, literally point zero because, uh, you know, it's not like uh, I come from a, you know, some people say, well, you come from maybe a wealthy family and you've got, you know, a father with millions and he can just support you while you, you know, gallivant the world. Not, no, not really. I have to, I'm not in that position, privileged position. I have to start from uh, me and the Heavenly Father. And it was quite interesting because um, at that stage, I was like, Father, it's just me and you now, and uh, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's do this thing. And March uh, this year was here, or was it May, March, May, when we were Lynn was pre- um, Edwin Phillies was preaching, and um, it was such a powerful word just about going into the nations and doing what God wants you to do and stepping out of the boat, and it was such a confirmation uh, of what God's doing. So I'm going to... I, I, I want to share that context because out of laying the foundation for this series in kingdom finance, it's important to really set the base to say um, we're on a, a level footing as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, you know, and there is no one of us that can say we're more privileged than the other, and there's no one that can say, well, you know, I've got it better than the other. And, the one, you know, you, it's easy to look to the left and to look to the right and say it's easy for them and it's easy for them because they've got this. Um, I can attest and going to testify this morning that with God, your heavenly Father, and you, you are the majority and you can make it. <laughs> That's it. You don't need anything else but a relationship with your heavenly Father. And he has shown me again and again and again his incredible, incredible faithfulness. And what I'm going to do is we're going to look at the story of Ruth. And we're going to just unpack that story. And as we look at that story, I want us to look at the three characters. Most of you are familiar um, with the story of Ruth and the three characters that are there. But every single one of us can identify with one of these three characters. And different times in my lives, I've been through different stages where I was either one of those characters. And sometimes each of those characters in the story have got different um, strengths and different challenges that they're going through and different situations that they're facing. But I want you to see the faithfulness and the amazing goodness of God in, in and through what he does through the story of Ruth. And so we've got the three We've got the three characters, and we've got Naomi, and we know the story of Naomi. Her, her uh, husband has passed away, and she has her two daughters, daughter-in-laws, and then the two daughter-in-laws 
her sons pass away as well. So she's lost the three main men in her life, the three anchors in her life, the three men that were there to support her, her, her husband and her two sons. And now she's finding herself in a very difficult place. And um, when I look at the, the, the place that Naomi found herself in, I found a woman that was probably in a deep place of, of bitterness and a deep place of despair and a deep place of disappointment and, and discouragement. And there was a, a point where they, they, you know, they said to her, um, you know, what, what shall we call you? And she said, no, from now on you can call me Mara. Because she had really just reached a low place in her life, and Mara means bitterness, and she was just so despondent. Because I can imagine she was a woman of God, she, she was a, a Jew, she understood uh, um, the heritage of the Jews. So obviously she was a woman of faith because she talks later on about uh, you know, uh, um, following the Father and where he's taking her. But the reality is she reached a place of deep disappointment. And disappointment is real. And and is a challenge, and there can be, and, and we've walked through some certain times of disappointments in our lives, and what you realize is that disappointment is actually trying to get you off the real appointment that you have with God. It's trying to derail you from where God's actually taking you, and if the enemy can derail you with disappointment, then what ends up happening is you, you, you sit stuck and you sit paralyzed, and you sit in a place of such hopelessness. And the Bible says that, you know, that, that um, uh, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You sit in a place where your heart is sick. And, it's, and, and I've been there before. It's not a nice place. It's not a, a, a lack of place. Because when you're in that place, all you can see is how you feel and all you can see is behind you. And the enemy wins because it's his aim to derail us because there's an appointment that God has for your life. And he wants you to engage in the appointment that he has and not engage in the disappointment of what the enemy is wanting you to focus in on. So looking at that story, there's that one person of Naomi, and we're going to look at a bit of her story as well. And then there's the, the story of, of Ruth. Now, now Ruth is a, also an incredible um, story and, and woman because what she represents is she represents a lot of us and that is just sheer grit, hard work and faithfulness. Okay? I'm just going to you know, buckle down and I'm just going to work hard and I'm just going to do this thing and I'm just going to you know, follow my mother-in-law and I'm going to go where she needs to go and I'm going to go and clean in the fields and I'm going to just do this thing and that's, that's great. And that's wonderful, but, but um, there was something in the story that I want to highlight uh, out of this. And, and, um, and this, this was, let me, let me just actually read it this. It says here that, so she left and she went and gleaned in the fields, Ruth 2, verse 3. She gleaned in the fields after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was in the family of Imelech. It says there, that in the midst of her taking a step, she happened upon the field of Boaz. Okay? You see, there's something when God breathes on your little action step and he begins to do something in your life that is far beyond your grit, hard work, faithfulness, and, dis and uh, uh, guts. Where she steps into something 
that God was doing for her way bigger than what she could do for herself through her hard work. She stepped into something that was going to surprise her and change the history of the Jewish people. Not because of her hard work, but simply because of the favor of God. And as you go and read the story, it talks about that, that um, so she, in verse 10, when Boaz comes along and says to her, listen, you just follow the reapers and you're going to pick up some of the stuff, you know, at the back. And this is what she says in verse 10. She says, so she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, a foreigner? You see, there's something about the favor of God and the grace of God that will far outdo any bit of your hard work, guts, and determination and faithfulness. Because when you step into the favor of God and what God is busy doing for you, you begin to realize that the story that God is writing about your life is way bigger than what you can do and what you can interpret. It is about Him. And it's about what He wants to do. And it's got very little to do with you because she just happened upon Boaz's field. It wasn't because she was so smart and worked it out and had it all figured out to say, oh, you know what I'm going to do? And Boaz is, you know, probably a kinsman redeemer because he's somewhere related to Naomi and I like his field and he's a smart guy and he's good looking and man, I think I'm going to have a plan here. She didn't have a plan. She was just going about her daily thing and the favor of God encountered her and she fell on her face and she said, what is this? What is this favor I've counted? Until what I've, you know, I, I, I will tell you a little bit of, you know, my, I can relate very much to Ruth because I'm very much a doer. I love to just go and do things. And I began to realize, you know what, unless the favor of God is on you, you can't do anything. And, and going into the season, it was so amazing. I went into the season and um, it was pretty nerve wracking because when you go into a season where you've got no guarantee of income, and you've got four kids and a dog looking at you and a wife going, are you crazy? Like, you know, I had, a, and she literally had to leave her mother, and it was like snort and throne. And she's like, I just hope you haven't lost your mind, you know. So now she's on board, but back then it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really like that. And I, began, and I said, God, like, what am I going to do? And I remember him just saying, you know what, without me you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. So I began to just sit at the, the beach in my car and pray and say, Jesus, help. That's as, much as it could, that's as much as I could get out. Jesus, help. And slowly but surely, he began to just say to me, you know what, you can't just, I prayed for a couple of days, and then he said, you can't just sit here and pray. That's great, beautiful, that's wonderful. But I want you to step out and I want you to do something, and I want you to make some phone calls and set up some appointments and go and see some people. And I started to do that. And as I began to do that, it was amazing what God began to do because I began to step into not a self-confidence of I'm going to do this thing and go and like, you know, knock down doors and get some deals and do this thing. I began to step into the miraculous favor of God because it came from a place of realizing that I can do nothing without him. And unless the favor of God is with me and I'm with him, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. So I just began, to, and, and when I began to realize that God was up to some sneaky stuff, is 
I, I uh, phone somebody and they said, yo, you can meet us in, you know, uh, Bloberg area. And I'm like, okay, but give me a thing. They're like, are we in a meeting? No, we can't tell you. You just meet us in that area this time, uh, roughly this time. So I drive off to this place and I'm thinking, okay, well, let me just park in the middle of Bloberg somewhere because I don't know where we're going to meet. So I just park there and I'm sitting and I'm waiting for the message. So the message comes through where we're going to meet. So I put it into my GPS and as I put it into my GPS, it says, you have reached your destination. I'm like, no way. I could have walked anywhere in the whole area. That happened twice to me. Another time I drove to Stellenbosch with the same thing happening and thinking, okay, I need to go to Stellenbosch. I don't know where I'm meeting these people, but I'm just going to drive to Stellenbosch. Same thing happened. Parking out this place, I ask these people, where's this building? They say, you parked out. It's here, behind you. I'm like, no ways. And then God began to say to me, I want you to realize that when you step into what I am doing for you, it becomes not a fearful thing. It becomes a, an adventure. It becomes a great adventure with a son and a father. Not a thing of trepidation of, oh my word, how am I going to now provide for my family? It's, son, I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on an adventure. And as I began to do that, I began to see that being grateful along the journey celebrating the small wins. You know, I, I, I would, my wife's like sitting at home, like waiting to hear the stories. I'd come back home and I'd say, oh, this happened and this happened. It felt like, you know, those like Neanderthal men that went out hunting and they would come back and say, oh, I found a boar and we dragged the thing in. And, you know, and, and it was like so cool because she would come and then I would tell her, this happened and this happened. And then we would celebrate. And we'd say, look at God's goodness. And every single day, that's all we began to do. It's just begin to say, let's celebrate, not, oh, you didn't, you know, get the big contract and that didn't happen. Let's just celebrate what God is doing. Let's celebrate what God is doing. So the first lesson that I learned was in, in and now we're talking now in the, in, the, in the place of kingdom finance, okay? So this is the context of the, 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 the word this morning, in the context of the story of Ruth, but in the context of kingdom finance. The first thing that I learned is this, number one, you need the favor of God. It's not by your self-efforts that you can do anything. Number two, you need to be super grateful and excited and, and uh, celebrate the small things that he's doing. Because as you celebrate those small things, you're bringing honor back to him and saying, Father, this is what you're doing. And then I began to meet with some people, and I remember getting to um, one or two people, and nothing would happen. And I would think, man, I've driven all the way out to Paul, and nothing's happened now. And God said to me, I want you to understand that every single day you're on assignment with me. This is not about you driving out to Paul to meet with somebody. This is you going to touch hearts and bring a message for my sons and daughters that are out there. And every, there is, and then he said this, because I like being productive, and he said this to me, there is not one day in my kingdom that is unproductive because it's about touching people's lives. And it's just been absolutely incredible. I, had, I have had countless in the last three four months i've had countless situations where i've prayed and ministered to people in their boardrooms in their offices um i was in stellenbosch there's a lady that's I, I can't mention her name but she's top up in the university of stellenbosch and i ministered to her in her office she was crying her eyes eyes as, as i began to minister to her the love of god and nothing happened from that meeting and nothing might ever happen, but God was honored because it was a daughter of his that needed to be ministered to on that day, and he had to send me there for that purpose. And then you, I began to realize, God, this is about advancing your kingdom wherever you go. This is really not about doing the deals. 
This is about advancing your kingdom wherever you go. And, and I've got countless stories of how God began to just do that. And then I began to realize that, you know what, actually what, what business is and, and, and what we do when we do go out and meet people is that business is actually just the vehicle for you to engage in conversation and meet people. It's secondary to what you're actually doing. The primary thing is that God has got you on assignment to meet all sorts of his children that he wants to minister to and, and, uh, and, and work with. Then the next thing I began to realize is this, is that you can't separate the kingdom. The kingdom is integrated. You know, coming from a, um, a church background and then moving into, you know, the business world and a bit of preaching and teaching and, and things like that, so often it's easy just to segment your life. And to put it into compartments and boxes and say, okay, there's my family and there's my friends and there's my social life and there's my hobbies and there's my church and there's my business. And living in the kingdom is the, the, the kingdom understanding is that, is that it all belongs to him. And that it is all his. And that when we understand that, we, we translate every th single thing that we experience through our life through a holistic, integrated type of thinking as opposed to a compartmentalized thinking. God just began to show me and begin to speak to me and say, it all belongs to me. And wherever you go, you're just like yeast. And the yeast of the kingdom permeates every single area and facet of society. And the principles of the kingdom work everywhere. And that just began to just settle in my heart to say, wow, God, this is incredible. And anyway, I can tell you story upon story of the miraculous. I mean, the one time... I, I uh, um, applied for a, uh, something to, to speak at an HR conference because the stuff that I do isn't around people development and HR. And I, I, I thought, I saw this cool thing. I thought, I want to speak at this conference. This is an awesome thing. So I applied because you can apply there. And I arrived at the ch at church there in Melkbos. And as I sat down, I meet this guy. And I say, hey, how's it going? He's, he's, I said to him, what do you do? He says, no, I run whatever this business is. I'm like, no way. I just like applied his, like two days ago to your thing. And he's like, oh, well, cool. Good to meet you. You know what I mean? And since then, we've been doing stuff together. And it was crazy because I'm like, God, like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely crazy. There will be times that I'm parking my bus, again, praying, and just sitting there at the beach and not knowing that three cars up there's somebody that is busy having a conversation that sends me a message and say, hey, listen, could you come please help us with this? And I'm like, hey, do you know that like we're three cars down? And he's like, oh, hey, how's it? And it's like crazy stuff like that just happening time and time and time again, seeing the goodness of God. I mean, I found myself in, 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 bo in a boardroom the other day with senior executives of a big company with 80 professionals employed by them, and they said to me this, we really feel that you could help us bring kingdom governance into our business. Will you show us how do you bring the kingdom into this business? And I'm sitting there, and now I'm in a suit. I had to wear a suit, so I'm like, I had to find my suit quickly, put my suit, and I'm like, yeah, I know for sure we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, how do we, let's, what do we say to these intelligent guys? You know what I mean? Because they're actuaries and lawyers and all sorts of things. Okay, but... The point of the matter is this, is God's kingdom is integrated, and he, and he, he wants to take us on adventure. Now, um, I want to I pull out a couple of scriptures, okay, and um, from Ruth's story. What is the biggest thing 
that will rob us? And what is the biggest thing that will steal from us? Oh, sorry, Boaz. So we talked about Naomi, disappointment. We talked about Ruth, hard work without the favor of God is not going to do it. Okay. And now Boaz, I began to ask God, what is, God, what is Boaz? I began to realize this, that in the kingdom, God is raising up kingdom Boazes that are going to recognize the Ruths and make a way for the Ruths so that a kingdom lineage and legacy can be birthed. Okay? So if you're sitting here today and you are in a place of being a Boaz, that means that you've made it financially and you, you've come through financially and you're in a good place. It's your responsibility not to sit there and go, sure, well, at least I'm now great and everything's working out for me, but to actually say, you know what, I've been called to be a kingdom Boaz that can identify the Ruths that are gleaning in the fields so that when the Boaz and the Ruth come together, there's a kingdom seed that is produced out of that. And there's a call in the spirit for the Boazes because the Boazes, it's so easy for a Boaz to just say, you know what, at least it's okay going okay with me or I've done my part. No, there's a new season for Boazes to step up in the kingdom and to say, pray this prayer. Who are the Ruths that you, you are identifying? And even if the Ruth doesn't look like the Ruth that you thought, who is that young person that you need to mentor? Who is that young person in business that you need to groom or that person that you need to help along? Because God wants to raise up kingdom Boazes in this time. Now, in conclusion, I want to end with, with this part where um, Naomi starts to give. Naomi obviously begins to see something is taking place with Boaz and Ruth. And Naomi says to her, listen, you need to go, you know, and, and um, at the time of harvest, you need to go and lie at his feet. Okay? Sounds a bit weird, but anyway, that's how they, they, they did it in those days. So, so this is the deal, is that when she goes and lies at his feet, Boaz's feet, this is what Boaz says to her. He says to her, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, what I want to pull out in conclusion with this is two things. Number one, that Ruth honored the Naomi's in her life. Ruth recognized the Naomi's that had made a way for her, that had encouraged her, that had mentored her, that had pulled her along the way. And it's important that we recognize the Pastor Marks and the Johnos and the guys that make a way by encouraging and motivating us. But this is the secret, is that Naomi encouraged her to go and lie at the feet of Boaz. And if you go and look at Boaz and you go and look at typology in the Bible, you will discover that Boaz is a type of Christ. Because Christ, right, was, is our kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer, what that basically is, is this, is that somebody that has lost their heritage or lost their inheritance, a close relative of that person could marry that uh, person to restore and redeem them back to their inheritance, okay? When we realize that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, when we realize that we've lost everything in our sin and in our brokenness and in our despair, and when we realize that what he wants us to do is not to 
do anything but to come and sit at his feet. To come and lie at his feet. You see, the best thing that we can do as we encourage and we motivate people is this. Is the safest place to be is at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because when you come to sit at the feet of Jesus, he says here, he says, do not fear. Because financially, economically, in this country, the number one thing that the enemy wants us to do is to enter into fear. Because if he can get us into fear, he can get us into hopelessness, and he can get us into unbelief. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, the greatest of all the gifts is hope. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Let's think about that for a second. Faith, hope, and love. When I understand how much he loves me, I have hope for my future. And it casts out all unbelief. And I have faith for where he wants to take me. But if the enemy can get us into fear, then he robs our hope and we have no faith. But when I get into love and I sit at his feet and he says to me, do not fear. My daughter, I or son, I will do this. This is what he says here. I will do this for you. Hope begins to rise in my heart and faith has something to anchor itself in because faith is the substance of things hoped for. But faith doesn't start with, I just need more faith. Faith starts with understanding love. And when I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus and he begins to breathe love into me, hope begins to rise in my heart and I have faith that is an outflow of that love. And as I began to see this, I began to realize, Father, that's what you've been doing. That's what you've been doing. You've been saying, just come sit at my feet. And when I've sat at your feet, you have spoken love and you've spoken affirmation and you've spoken, and that has brought hope. Like, man, maybe, maybe we can make it. Maybe God, you're up to something. And that has caused faith to arise in my heart and unbelief to move out because of receiving his love. And if there's one thing that we have to do in this time, is to protect our hearts against fear. We have to gird up the loins of our mind. There's a scripture in 1 Peter that talks about it. It says, gird up the loins of your mind and set your hope fully upon the grace that will be revealed through Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He says, gird up those mind that wants to go, this is hopeless, this country's going backwards, I'm not going to make it, my business is failing, this is... To go, no, I'm going to gird up the loins of my mind. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to allow hope to arise. And I'm going to allow faith to develop. And I'm going to take the action steps that he tells me to take. When I do that and I live from that place, that's when I begin to break into the miraculous favor of God and what he is busy doing for you. Because what he wants to do for you is even beyond what you can do for yourself. So I have to gird up the loins of my mind. Every thought that comes into my mind, I have to take it captive. And I have to set my hope fully upon, doesn't say they set your hope fully upon, you know, the next business deal, that the economy will turn, that this will happen, somebody will like you, there will be, you know, 
It says, set your hope fully upon his grace. What is that? Set your hope fully upon his unmerited favor. Why? Because he has already conquered sin, sickness, death, financial challenges. He's conquered everything. And when you set your hope upon him, you come under and understand the new covenant and you begin to realize that you're un operating under the covenant of grace. That means unmerited favor. And you will then find yourself so happening upon a field of Boaz's and so happening finding out him saying, and this is what's amazing about Boaz. It goes on later and it says this. For in verse, how awesome is this? Verse 18, it says this. Boaz says, for this man will not rest until he has concluded this matter this day. That means that when you rest at the feet of Jesus, he's busy working for you. He says, Boaz says, this matter, I will not rest until I have done this for you today. And what is she doing? Just sitting at his feet. It's incredible because you begin to realize that the Father is working on our behalf. Now, it doesn't mean we don't do anything because that's why, like I said, I had to make some steps. But as I began to step out into what God is doing, he began to move ahead. The key was this, is resting in his favor because he's not going to rest until he does it for you when you sit in his love. And you say, Father, I don't know where, I don't know what's going to happen. I, and, and you know what is amazing? Actually, every single challenge that you face financially or you face in your life is hidden something that God wants to reveal about who he is in that challenge. So instead of saying, God, why are you doing this to me? You should actually rather pray and say, Father, what more are you showing me about you? Because there's something else you want to reveal to me about who you are in this challenge that I'm facing or in this situation that I'm failing, facing. Because this one thing I do know, you have said that you're a good heavenly father. And this one thing I do know is that you love me. And when I touch that, hope arises in my heart, faith gets activated. And at the end of the story, this is what's amazing. It says that Ruth and Boaz came together and they had the son Obed. And Obed was obviously in the lineage of Jesus. And I love this end of the story where basically it says here that uh, in verse 15, 4 verse 15, um, it says here, and may he be a, you, to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has born to him. What happens? Naomi, who was disappointed and hurt and bitter, she ends up grabbing this Obed and having proclaimed over her the goodness and the favor of God. And God restores to her everything that the enemy had stolen. And then is the child in the lineage of Jesus. And everyone is restored. Naomi is restored. Ruth marries the dude. And Boaz has, has got a hot wife. It's all lacquer. Okay? So, okay. So I want to end with saying this. I want to end with saying this. And I... I'm excited, you know, when praying for, for you guys, I had, I had this, and I have to just end with a statement that, that we hear the statement that the church is the hope of the world. And that's true. The church is the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. But then the father dropped a statement into my spirit and he said this. He said, my church, 
he needs to understand this, that Jesus is the hope of the church. And then the church becomes the hope of the world. It's huge. Because if you understand that Jesus is the hope of the church, then your hope, and, and I, don't, I know you guys are trusting for a building, okay? And that's awesome. And I know, but your hope is not in a building, in a children's program, in more lights and sound. Your hope is in Jesus as the church. It's not, can somebody, you know, who's going to do the youth ministry, and can we have your hope? Our hope is in Jesus. And when the church puts their hope in Jesus, purely Jesus, nothing else, then the church becomes the hope of the world because you then demonstrate to people what Jesus looks like. Because you are the church that they're going to touch. And when they touch you because you've touched Jesus, they touch hope. But if the church doesn't touch Jesus and they're looking for a program, then what they're going to do is they're going to get disappointed and then they're going to go to the world and they're going to say, well, you know, we kind of done church, but it didn't really work. But there was a missing ingredient as the church didn't touch Jesus. And Jesus wasn't the hope. But when Jesus becomes the hope of the church, the church becomes the hope of the world. And I want to encourage you guys with that. There's, God is busy doing something. When we put Jesus at the center, when we sit at his feet and say, we're not moving here because you're going to work on our behalf. And it's not our wisdom, it's not our might, it's not our strength, it's not our ability, it's not our connections, it's nothing. It's got to do with what you are busy doing for us, which is far greater than what we can even imagine or do for ourselves. So Victory Church Fishhook family, I want to encourage you with that word because I really believe that the season that God is bringing you into is going to be a season, and I want to declare this, where you would sit at his feet and see him until your enemies are defeated. Sit at his feet till you see your enemies defeated. Because he loves you and he's got a hope and a future and a plan. Amen. Won't the worship team come up the, and then we're going to just, just pray for some, some people this morning. If you can maybe just stand to your feet. So as, as you hear this morning, I don't, I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know where you're at in your process. But I've got a good guess that you can identify with one of those characters this morning. You might be in a place of disappointment, like Naomi was. You might be in a place like Ruth, just pure, hard, just graft, just working. Or you might be in a place of a Boaz where you've come through and you've made it, but you know you haven't reached your significant moment of what God is wanting to do in your life and in your business and in where you're at. And he's asking, he's calling forth the Boazes this morning. So if you're here this morning, I'm not going to call people forward to minister to them, but I really, I, I want you to just to respond to the word. There's something when you just say, hey, that's me. And I'm going to ask you just to put up your hand. Um, firstly, before you before we pray for the specific people, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've 
you've never met Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to meet him. He truly is the only hope there is. If there's anyone like that here that doesn't know Jesus, wants to respond to Jesus. Anyone? Thank you, Father. Okay, there's a okay. There's an awesome church leadership here that if you at any time want to call them, speak to them, they will gladly just guide your heart into, into Christ. If you're here this morning and you are battling with some disappointment, the enemy is trying to derail you of your purpose. And he's trying to say to you, it's over. Everything is a mess and it's not working for you or it's, there's so much disappointment or so much hurt and your heart is in a place of disappointment. If that's you this morning, I want to just, I just want to, while everyone's eyes are closed because I just want to protect people's hearts this morning, you can just put up your hand and I want to pray a prayer for you. God's love if you are experiencing disappointment in any area. Thank you, Father. Would you just receive His love right now? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put down your hands. I've seen who you are. Thank you, Father. You are Father, so we just thank you this morning for every person that is in a place of disappointment. We want to declare this morning that the enemy will not derail them of their purpose and of their destiny. That the enemy will not take this disappointment to rob them of where you are taking them. We declare, Father God, that purpose will prevail. Destiny will prevail. That you have created them for something specific and something unique and that they will step into that and that every single day that has been written for them in your book will be fulfilled. I thank you that the enemy will not lie to them. I come against every lie and every condemnation and every lying spirit that is trying to overwhelm them with fear and doubt and disappointment. I take authority over that lying spirit in Jesus' name and I say, let hope arise. Let hope arise because he loves you and he will not rest until he has done it for you. So come and rest at his feet. Come and rest at his feet. Um, I just have a picture this morning. Um, I just feel while we're just on the topic of disappointment, um, I just see um, maybe there's somebody that's had a disappointment in the area of a, of a business partnership. Um, you know, maybe something that have gone wrong or some disappointment that has crept in in some business partnership. And I just feel like God wants to minister to you this morning. So if there's anyone that have had a deep disappointment in a, in a business partnership or relationship, maybe it's something of the past. What I do feel God is saying this morning is, is that it's affecting your future. The past disappointment is affecting the future and the enemy has actually used it to derail you 
because God uses us and connect, He uses us together, you know. Like we can't do this thing alone and God brings people along our way so that we can do things together. And because of your past disappointment, um, I just see how you are weary actually of, of trusting people again and weary actually to put your heart out there. And I just feel like God wants to just break something today off you. If there's anyone here, if you want to just put up your hand. Okay. So thank you, Father. I'm just going to pray over you this morning. So, Father, I just thank you this morning that where that disappointment came in, Father, that relationship, that partnership, Father God, that caused a deep disappointment, Father God, an area, Father, where the enemy has come in and tried to derail, Father, this, this destiny and this purpose. Father, I thank you this morning that we can just come and pray your healing over that heart, Father God. Thank you, Father, this morning that you will just come and, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose for your people this morning. Father, I thank you, Father, that you've called us together Father, that you bring people along our way, Father God, to do this together. And Father, I pray that our past will not dictate our future. But Father, we declare this morning that you are a good Father. And Father, that we trust you. We don't put our hope in people. We don't put our trust in people. We don't... We don't look to what man does for us, Father. And Father, even in the disappointment, us for thank you, Father, this morning that you bring complete restoration in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. If you can identify with a Ruth and you've just been in the fields and you've just been working and working and working and you're like, man, when's the breakthrough coming? How long can I just carry on just grafting and grinding and plowing and picking up grain? And, and you're, just, you're just at that place where you just say, man, Father, I need you. I need, I need that so happening in my life to happen. I want to declare that over you today. So if that's you, won't you just put up your hand where you are? We're going to declare that over you. So, Father, I want to thank you for the Ruths. I want to thank you, Father God, for their faithfulness, their commitment, their loyalty, their dedication, their hard work. I want to thank you, Father God, that all of that is awesome. But we want to recognize this morning, Father, that we cannot do this without you. We need your favor. We need your breakthrough. It is not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power, but it will be by the Spirit of God. And we align our hearts afresh. And I declare miracles. I declare miracles today for the Ruths here this morning. I want to thank you, Father, that this week, that they will so happen upon what you are busy doing for them as they allow you, Father God, to align their businesses, align their lives align their friendships, align their relationships. I want to thank you, Father God, for the miraculous to begin to break out in their finances and in their relationships and in every single area of their lives, Father God. So we thank you that we set our hope fully upon the grace, the unmerited favor of Jesus Christ, because you have made a way for us. We trust you for every single Ruth here, Father, for hope and courage to arise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And then the Boaz is here. While all the eyes are closed, if you just want to raise your hand and you're recognizing, man, I need to identify some ruse in my field. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for the Boazes. I want to thank you, Father God, for, for favor. I want to thank you for the breakthrough that you've brought in their lives. But I want to thank you, Father, that you're going to help them identify who are the sons and the daughters that are in their fields that they need to raise up to produce a godly offspring. 
to produce a kingdom harvest, Father God, because as they partner and as they raise up and as they identify those roots, Father God, you're going to do something special and miraculous. So I want to thank you for the Boazes, Father God. I want to pray that that you will transfer and cause many roots to raise up to a place of Boazes. I want to thank you, Father God, that you'll bring us to a place, all of us, Father God, to a place where we will be able to make a way for others, that we will look out for others, that we'll look out for the family of God, for the church of God, that we'll say, man, we can help you, and let's, and let's look out for one another. So I want to pray, Father God, that every single one of us would not just say, well, I'm going to be stuck as a Ruth, or I'm so stuck as a Naomi. No, Father, that you declare over today, us today that we will be providers. We will be people that will have fields for people to glean in, and make a way for others so that others can find their inheritance. So I thank you, Father God, that our aim and our goal, Father God, would to be to be providers and not takers, Father God. So I thank you, Father, for raising up Boazes and more Boazes to make a way in your kingdom. So we declare great harvest time, Father God. I want to pray for an alignment of our hearts with Jesus and His favor and His grace. And I want to pray, Father God, for accurate obedience to what you tell us to do in and through our finances. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Father. Amen.